Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji Nice and as usual for a special once every four or five year or three year edition of the Olympics <laughs> men's road race recap. Long stage, two main climbs, Fuji and Makuni. The last climb is the most important one. Obviously, Makuni, it's steep. There's like 3Ks at 11% in the middle of it, like 7Ks, 10% all up, then a descent and rolling like a really slow taxing drag to the finish, like 30Ks, 25Ks long uh, before yeah, before the finish. So the question was, favourite was Pogaccia, then Wafanat. Oh, third favourite was Rolich, then Avonapol, Slovenia and Belgium, but would a solo winner be able to get away? I didn't wake up uh, because the benefit of watching cycling races all year is I can figure out when to wake up and I didn't move from Australia to a micro landlocked micro state to continue waking up at 4am <laughs> to watch cycling races. So I got up at 8am like a normal person. So Benji Thanks will run that. you through what happened at the start. <laughs> Did you just call me a non-normal person? <laughs> yep. The race started off and it was the typical kind of start that you have at these events. And we see Nick Dlamini, Michael Kirkel, Juraj Sagan for Slovakia, Tsorzakis for Greece, Oluis Aular, Grosu, Romania. We've got Paul Dumont, I think that's Burkina Faso, and Azadov, and that is... From Kenya. The- Azerbaijan. So a pretty large breakaway, actually, eight riders, but not necessarily the riders you expect to hold on for a while. There's some decent climbing in there with an Aular and with a Kirkle, for example. But the initial part was noticeable that in the peloton, when the gap started opening up towards that breakaway, there was no team that would take control because obviously you've got that teams are not with too many mates they can't exactly offer riders up one by one everywhere so here actively belgium and slovenia decided to wait a bit at the start and the gap opened up to like 13 minutes and then belgium took van avamad and put him at the front of the group started pacing like mad for a bit then he stopped again because he was like okay i can't just do this alone and eventually we had trotnik come to the front then trotnik and van avamad started pacing for a while. Next to that, some other stuff happened as well. We had Geraint Thomas crashing, also Ciccone and the same crash. And we also saw that Roglic was going towards the medical car in the early parts of the race, which is probably not the best thing you want to see at the start of the race. And that was basically everything for the Daoshi Road because we had the peloton pace a bit and the breakaway pace a bit. And the gap was max 20 minutes, started going down again. And when we started at the foot of Fuji, we had around, I don't know, 15 minutes left roughly. And that's when Trotnik took control and really hammered it. Still a large group. I mean, Thomas crashing again. I don't know how many times he's crashed in the last two months. He had a tweet. It's got to the point where he's like, he seems kind of sick of people criticizing his crashing. He basically said it was Teo Gegenhardt's fault in front of him straight away on Twitter before the race had even uh, finished. I think a few other notable things were Italy getting Ciccone to pace. I'm surprised by that. Maybe the crash caused that. Maybe he didn't feel so good. But I'm like, Ciccone is better than Nibali on this parkour. So that was uh, a little bit surprising to me. But yet, yeah, not too much happened. Really, this classic World Champs or Olympics race with just a weak break in front and then everyone cruising behind. So, you know, 20 minutes 
in front. They weren't going too bad. Maybe Fuji, I'll be interested to see the power data, but still a really large group afterwards. And it yeah. was Cosner for our Benji. Like, it can't have been that hard <laughs> a pace. After Fuji, then there's this undulating terrain. He was pacing the break back. We, I think the next action was really Avonapol attacking uh, before Cosner for our pool, before the base of Makuni, marked by... Nibali and uh, well, even Kelderman was kind of getting a move as well. But yeah. Yes, exactly. And when you see that three-man group get away, you know that it's a bit difficult because Evenepoel and Nibali, they have a bit of a history. Deutschland tour two years ago, they really weren't that well of a friends. We had Evenepoel attacking and every time that happened, Nibali was like, I'm going to hunt you down just because you're Evenepoel. And they had a bit of beef in the media and right now Evanapool goes and the only person that responds is Nibali. So I was like, oh, flashbacks, awesome stuff. But um, when they go into the attack, my Belgian and Nibali heart starts rising and beating harder, but it quickly uh, didn't really look like it was going anywhere because Nibali at a certain point just didn't take over anymore. And when Evanapool has to do all the work, then it's not going to happen. And they eventually got caught again by basing in the other group, which still had Trotnik pacing. Like, that man literally paced how long? 100k in this, in this race? Jan Trotnik, absolutely underrated rider. We keep telling you, and oh my God, I'm so hyped about him, like, genuinely. Yeah, and before we get on to the main part of the race, which is the group going to Bakuni, I mentioned our show partner for the podcast, Lacole. They've been supporting the podcast since the Giro d'Italia last year and if you didn't pick up any kit during the tour de france never fear they've just launched the new bradley wiggins lacole collection there's the lightweight collection the mclaren project aero collection so go and check it out at www.lacole.cc plenty of different kits for your taste whether it's speed or comfort on cafe rise uh, so yeah thanks to lacole for supporting the podcast uh, but yeah, on to Makuni Benji, where it was actually Belgium trying to keep it in. They had no deal in turns. They had Benoit and Marty Van Seven on. Evenepoel was cooked. He was couldn't do anything. And it looked like they were just trying to keep it together for Van Aert. But the problem was, it was like, Benoit was done pretty quickly. Maori was thrashing about. <laughs> See the GC group bunching up around him. Yeah. And it's like there's going to be an attack really soon and, and Bernard is going to have to close down himself. Um, so, yeah, it's Pogaccia basically attacking in the saddle. My view is Pogaccia attacked earlier than he would have wanted to normally because he thought they would play the Roglic Pogaccia 1-2 and Roglic should be able to sit on Bernard and the group behind and they don't have team radio. So that's my view. Or do you think Benji, based on what we saw at the Tour, he's always going to attack super early? I think that Pogacar did want to attack relatively early because Van Aert is still there and he needs to drop Van Aert. But you indeed have to find that balance, like you say. You don't know if Roglic already said to him before the climb started, okay, this is not going to be my day. This is not okay. Like, I'm not feeling so great. And he dropped relatively early on the climb, just like in Avenapool, for example, a bit later than Avenapool, I think Roglic dropped. So if you're dropping that early, I'd say that you probably already warned your teammate, but on the other hand, it could go so quickly. You know, it's so hot and so forth. You can go into the ultimate depths of uh, of everything just in a second if all goes wrong. And Pogacar went and decided to go early. And I think that's basically simply because Van Aert needs to get dropped ASAP. And everybody, every single climber in that race knew that they want to get rid of Van Aert there. And then the Van Aert show started because 
quite simply. He was the key to a lot of tactics that were being played out in the next 15 kilometers. When Pogacar goes, we see two people follow him. I think it was McNulty and Woods, right? Yeah, McNulty and Woods followed Pogacar. McNulty, the teammate, trade teammate at UAE with Pogacar, he was relaying with him as he could. He was helping him a little bit on the climb, which suggests Pogacar wasn't like just straight up riding away from everybody. Woods sitting on a little bit, and behind was Van Aert pulling a lot. Betiol gave him, helped a little bit, but mainly yeah. Van Aert, and he, he was bringing it back. Van Aert brings it back to like nine seconds on the climb, which suggests that Pogacar is not doing crazy, crazy numbers if Van Aert can keep it close on really steep gradient. And then all these riders like Kwiatkowski, Carapaz, uh, Uran, uh, those sort of riders, better climbers, they attack. Well, mainly actually Kwiatkowski attacking, showing some of his, showing really good legs. Once again, his trade teammate Carapaz with him. He then relays. And so we have them bridging across to Pogacar with Van Aert dropped, but not by much. And we're near to the end of Makuni now. Yeah. And so when you have that group of Carapaz, Kwiatkowski, Urand, get to McNulty, Woods, uh, Pogacar and Godu, they all stop. They all stop over the top and immediately well, are like Wampanoag's coming back to them. It, w- it was honestly for one reason only as well, because like when you see there's cooperation, it's good. They were working together well towards the top. And then you've got a rider in that group, Woods, that has not worked together with the group. He hasn't taken over at any point on the climb and he decides to attack away. And obviously Pogacar is going to be like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take you out here. I'm not going to have this happen. And then I'm going to just sit up because like, you're trying to benefit off of me. And that really is a disadvantage for the cooperation in the front group. And I think that was the final drop that made that group sit up completely and allowed the ability of Fanat closing back on. And Pogacar tried to pull a little smart one in a corner in a small downhill section just after the top to get away from that front group. But everybody was on his wheel and then then they just wait. Well, they didn't wait on purpose, but they just didn't really cooperate anymore. And Fanat was able to come back, but has spent quite some energy yet. But I think that one challenge is done for Renard. You've got over the climb with the best riders. You're with the best riders on top of the Mikuni Pass. You've got the plateau section on top, then the Kagosaka Pass downhill and to the line. A flat section, well, not really super flat, but that's Speedway. So um, the next challenge starts. Every single attack, every single person in the group is going to look at you because you are the rider that is on paper the fastest sprinter in the group. And I think that really played a huge role in everything that followed. All these sort of riders are not going to want to go to the finish in this quite a large group. It played out similarly to, as we expected, a group of 10 to 12 after Makuni. Got Vanard, Betiol, Fulsang, Uran, Kvyatkovsky, Adam Yates comes back, David Gudu, Molima, Karapaz, uh, Pagacha. Forgive me if I've missed anybody. So those sort of riders... I said uh, Betiol's okay. in there as well. Okay. So they're not going to want to go to the sprint finish with Wafanat. So you start to see attacks. Um, I think Mike Woods attacking Wafanat, closing Pagacha, and I think Pagacha trying to move, make a move. Woods attacking again. Molimer attacking with Kwiatkowski and Maximilian Schuckman, who's come back. Um, then Pagacha and Betiol getting in a move, then Full Sang. And so you have all these attacks, and Van Aert and Pagacha being lent on a lot. Pagacha actually was helping a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kviato attacks again. Kviato really rode for gold here. Then McNulty and Carapaz, and it's like all these attacks, you know one of them is going to work. You know that everyone in the group is going to keep trying, and eventually they did. McNulty and Carapaz move, Pelton stopped, 
no one follows them and it goes out immediately to 20 seconds with 24 Ks to go. And McNulty and Carapaz, they're the perfect riders to go away together because 50-50 in a sprint against each other, they'd be like, okay, 50-50 in a sprint, if we work together till the last 500 meters, we're guaranteed at worst a silver, great outcome. Because if you miss a split in the group behind, you, you might come 10th. And that's what happened. Wow, Fanart, eventually, he's pulling a lot. Uran was helping him a little bit, but the, the cooperation, it was like we saw in the Tour de France again. The cooperation isn't great because what are you going to do? Pull full with Wout van Aert and then get smashed in the sprint yeah, at and the end. Additionally, I think that the terrain teams, the normal teams that they ride on the entire season do play a role here because you have Kwiatkowski in that second group. You have Pogacar. Pogacar helped a little bit before they got away. And while those two riders were away, he actually stopped working a bit until they actually came closer again. And then he started working again. But Kwiatkowski didn't take over at all. And I think you have to partially think about the fact that Kwiatkowski got a TDF win last year from Karapas. So what is he going to be like? Is he going to be like, okay, I'm going to be the person that is going to ruin it for my my guy here? Like that, that'd be a, yeah, I think that plays a role personally, but that's just my opinion here. But yeah. Cool. Well, 12 Ks to go, 42 seconds. I don't know if they knew the time gaps. The peloton had been stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Van Aert would try and accelerate. Godou and, and Woods would try and close him. they then stop again. Eventually, Van Aert decided to just try and close the gap himself, yeah. and he brought it from 42 to 25 to like 17, 18, 15 seconds with 9 Ks to go. Bertiol cramps up, but they just couldn't close it. McNulty's on this rise on the speedway section and he just also looks like he starts cramping or something blows with McNulty, like at the end of a marathon race when a, someone hits a wall and Carapaz goes clear and no one helps Van Aert. No one continues that action. They stop again and it goes out from 15 seconds to 30 seconds again. Now, Benji, A, do you think race radio, team radius would have made a difference? B, did you see where they were getting accurate time gaps? Well, I think if you look at through the entire parkour, you'd say race radios do matter. But when it comes to the chasing there, I think we've seen in a lot of races this year that even with race radios, cooperation in second groups go really badly most of the time. So when those two got away and Van Aert was still in that group, I was pretty sure they were going to lean on him completely for the entire chase, whether that's with race radios or without race radios. When it comes to the time going down again towards the speedway section when Van Aert went ham that's perhaps where a race radio would have influenced the behavior of others because they're going to hear okay it's 15 seconds now we might actually have a chance of getting silver and gold instead of just fighting for the bronze medal because people will start thinking about bronze medals if Fanat is pacing a lot they know that if Fanat does all the work they can try and sneak away and get that bronze in the end if they don't actually catch the riders ahead so that also plays a role in the cooperation and I think all those things combined meant that Van Aert had to do it alone. He had some help here or there. Uran took over for like two, three seconds. But in the end, that's not going to really move the needle. And I think the second that we got onto the final, I think three, four kilometers, it was a bit of an uphill section as well, just after Carapaz dropped McNulty. And that's where Van Aert got countered. And Van Aert being countered displayed that he as well was not really great anymore because he started dropping from people that got away from him. I think Woods was one of the riders that attacked very uh, well in that latter part and two riders went off, then Pogacar in a, in a group of three and then Fanad was just behind that and that group was kind of splintering all over the road for a second and eventually that came all together again but you know that they're once again going to look at Fanad and 
when that happens and they sit up in the final three kilometers for like 10 seconds, you know that the rider up front is gone. And I think that from that point onwards, I was looking at Carapaz as the new Olympian champion. 34, 35 seconds with three, three and a half Ks to go and a group not cooperating behind. It was done. They were all playing for silver. Richard Carapaz going solo. I mean, he had time to celebrate. He couldn't believe he was smiling beforehand. I think Ecuador, they didn't win a medal at the Rio Olympics. They haven't won a gold since a race walker like a long time ago. In yeah, Atlanta. second gold ever. Second gold ever. Third Richard medal Carapaz ever. Solo. El Hagua Dorado de Tulca. In the hot conditions now, Amazon can also get warm where he's from. I'm reading up some statistics that, you know, Jaguars can catch a variety of prey. Well, today, McNulty, he basically just, it was like a marathon. He, McNulty was working with him. He didn't even attack him, just a little acceleration over a rise, and it was too much his pace. I mean, He's an opportunist, and his Palmares, Richard Carapaz, are crazy. Giro d'Italia, podiums on GC at both the Tour and the Vuelta, including the Tour a couple of week, a week ago, one Tour de Suisse. He now wins the Olympic Games road race. And this is the way he rode Makuni. Sit on, don't follow the initial Pogaccia attack, knows that Pogaccia was always in sight. Led Van Aert, what's the Belgian phrase, Benji? Eat his, eat his self? And yeah, even Eat his self? Yeah. <laughs> I've no clue what you're saying. Let's Van Aert close that gap to nine seconds. Bridges, again on the wheel often of Kwiatkowski, waits then in the valley afterwards for attacks, full saying attacks, Kwiatkowski attacks, goes with McNulty, a strong time trialist, perfect timing, done. It's so efficient. There's no wasted, yeah. nothing wasted from Carapaz in this race at all. Uh, and that's just the way he rides and the way he is able to win huge races, even though he's not like a... He's not a watts per kilo monster, whereas like Woods, Woods is gapping the group off his wheel um, in the last five Ks, but he just, the timing or whatever didn't work. So an incredible win for Carapaz. I'm really, really happy for him. Even I feel like I underrated him. I don't think I picked him up enough in the preview and I felt stupid watching him do this. And I was thinking classic Richard Carapaz. So a massive win for Ecuador. I mean, I don't know if, People want to say, is this bigger than a Giro win for the country? It seems huge, a gold medal at the Olympics solo. And, um, yeah, really happy. But th- there was a the uh, inevitable reduced bunch sprint behind Benji, was, which kind of played out as, as expected. Well, yes and no. I think that a lot of people thought that Van Aert would still snipe it completely. But in the last, like, five-ish kilometers, we saw Van Aert drop twice from a Pogacar's wheel and from other people's wheels. And... From that point on, I thought, okay, he's probably almost done for for the sprint as well. So it's going to be hard to completely dominate the sprint from that point onwards. And Fanat was at the front in that sprint, and Pogacar chose the wheel of Fanat. Malama decided to kind of go around and try to box in Pogacar a bit and be on the right side of Fanat's back wheel. And we saw Fanat directly responding to a move from the back of the group, and he was able to just snipe true due to the line but Pogacar came around then towards the end it was very close and I thought Pogacar has silver when I saw it but the photo finish showed the other way around Fanad was taking silver and Pogacar ended up with the bronze medal here so a very strong sprint by Pogacar we know that after a very difficult race that has a lot of energy spendage Fanad's sprints are a bit less 
And today that's also the case, but he was also, in my eyes, the strongest rider in the race. I dare to say that even with Carapaz being the winner, that doesn't take away from Carapaz. Carapaz was amazing, but Fanat had to literally close every single attack and eventually he ends up beating everybody in the group anyway. So very strong ride. Here's the top 10. Richard Carapaz, a minute and seven seconds ahead of Van Aert, Pagacha, Mollema, Woods, McNulty, Guru, Uran, Yates, Shackman coming in 10th. I mean, Shackman prepped a lot for this race and it ended up being just probably a little bit too hard for him. Kwiatkowski, 11th. I think he tried to put it all on the line for gold and that's why he didn't finish in that that uh, front group. A good ride from McNulty too as well, I think sixth. The big losers of the day, Spain, no one in the top. Well, I'm trying to filter now where for Spain. No one in the top 20. That's horrendous yeah. for, for, for Spain. Italy as well, no one in the front group. Eddie cramping it can't be helped, but not in the top 10 as well with a team of five is, is yeah, but pretty bad. And then Verdi started dropping on Fuji already. Like, yeah. It's, it's just not good. And you start thinking about stuff. And in the last few days, they had their Swanyor or something that had a COVID positive. And then you start thinking perhaps they tested negative and perhaps it will still come out that they might still have it, stuff like that. And that comes into your mind then. But let's hope it's not the case. Australia, Port came 48th. Um, and Adam Yates was good. Adam Yates was pretty solid. He just. Yeah. Couldn't do anything uh, for Great Britain. And we didn't really expect much from Thomas or Gagan Hart. But yeah, stoked for Carapaz. I think I, I want to see the most outrageous gold. I want him fully decked out in gold for the rest of for the next three years because we only have three years. I want him to completely one-up Greg Van Avermaet. I think he's a pretty popular winner as well. And I think thinking about other riders that could have played it differently, it's not really... What could what could teams have really done? Like Lushenko just wasn't good enough to be in the group. Yeah. It kind of played out the same way we expected. I mean, I I thought I hoped for a bit more attacks before Mikuini personally, like the Evenepoel attack and so forth. That's what I I expected before Mikuini, but I wanted some people to try earlier because some people just don't have the chance of following on Mikuini, and we saw them eventually dropping on Mikuini. I expected a Lutsenko or or Betiol move earlier. And eventually Betiol was super strong on Mikuni, but wasn't strong enough. And then you start doubting what if he went earlier and tried something earlier, because that's how we could do something like that. We had the entire Italian team offering themselves up just before Mikuni to try and get Betiol onto that climb properly and Moscon. And eventually I didn't see Moscon at all on Mikuni and afterwards. So yeah, it's a bit unfortunate. They rode strongly before Mikuni and on Mikuni, Italy, but it didn't really pay off. I think Van Aert, I would temper the praise a little bit of Van Aert. And I yeah. know it's not a surprise at this point that people are going to make exactly. him work. It, it, it's, not, it's literally not a surprise and it's not a criticism. of If you're David Gaudu, what are you going to do? Work with Agreed. Van Aert? So he needs to think of there has to be another, another strategy. And if, eventually, when the gap got to 45 mm-hmm. seconds, he was like, okay, I'll just bring it back myself and stop asking people to pull. Or is he got it? So that's what I think he needs to do. Either make a decision, I'm just going to pull this back, Carapaz and McNulty, and just do mm-hmm. it myself, or wait, 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 and go for one huge attack. The problem is he's tired after McCooney. It's yeah. hot. People are all sitting on him. Dropping people like Woods and Pagatra on a 5% rise is, is easier said than done. Um, but yeah, it's not a surprise that this yeah, keeps agreed. happening. And 
it's he logical. Needed, he needed a teammate. He needed Dylan Turns or someone in. Do you think Turns could have been in that group? No, nah, I don't think so. No? Um, I think that this was simply for the strongest of each nation, and we didn't see anyone with a duo, and that's a sign of something. And when it comes to the Belgian team, I think Evenepoel disappointed. Let's be real about that. Like, we didn't think he would be the best on the race. We thought his odds were basically way too close and he was too much of a favorite. And that seemed to have played out a bit. And I think that it also, here they play, like, we see this top 10 and the majority of that top 10, I think only Yates didn't do the TDF, right? Yeah, they all did the TDF. So Kwiatkowski did it, Fulsang did it, Almeida didn't do it, and Betiol, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of the people that didn't do the TDF, and we saw it at Imola, people that did the TDF were fine. Liège, people that did the TDF were good. Roglic as well was disappointing. Came 28th in a group with Pierre Martin, George Bennett, he or she. I definitely think, like, no surprise, that it would have been a big help for Pogaccia to have two Slovenian teammates to work. But, yeah, I don't know. It's not a criticism. Maybe the crash affected him, his preparation, yeah. et cetera. But, um I'd be, yeah, he just wasn't good on Makuni and he looked, maybe the heat was, he was struggling with as well. But to be honest, everyone that was in that group performed really well in the top 10 and uh, someone had to eventually go solo and it, it's El Hagla. So a pretty exciting race and uh, another, <laughs> we're still going to wait for a juice bunch sprint. Um, <laughs> yeah, any last thoughts on this, on this Benji? Honestly, I really enjoyed it. Carapaz is a beautiful winner. I really enjoy El Haguar. We've uh, enjoyed him the last year and a half, two years almost. He had the Giro victory second in the in the Vuelta. We had third in the Tour. We had gifting that stage into Kwiatkowski. That's one thing that makes you like a person even more. And therefore, I'm very happy that he won it. And I even put it on Twitter. I secretly said on Twitter with a shushing emoji, okay, I'd actually like him to win it. <laughs> And hopefully my Belgian neighbors didn't hear that. Otherwise, I'll get deported tomorrow. So I guess that's a thing now. But I'm really happy you won. I'm really happy that we've got a podium like this with Wout and Pogacar. A podium of three bodies that have been very strong for the entire last two years and deserve to be on this podium. Like, a McNulty would have been a nice winner as well. But I feel like the Olympic Championships feels fun if it actually like gives a medal to people as well who have been very strong for the last two years and therefore I feel like Carapaz, Fanat and Pogacar deserves those medals a tiny bit more. Sorry, US people. That's just a personal take there. I want to bring Nalti and Carapaz to sprint for it. That would have been more exciting to me. But that was the Olympic road race recap. Very enjoyable. We've got the women's race tomorrow, so tune in for that. Get up early and watch that as well. And we'll have the recap straight afterwards. But yeah. Stay tuned to see what Ecuador and Ineos drum up for Richard Carapaz to wear an all-gold suit in the Movistar next Star is going to be happy does. about this. Yeah, exactly. Imagine. <laughs> Mate, phew, they should have paid him whatever he wanted. Um, <laughs> until then, ciao.